and welcome to the Three Pillars podcast. I'm Peter Harper, the Managing Director and CEO of Ascender Advisors. For those of you who are not familiar with the business, we're a multifamily office advising foreign family offices and private clients on US direct investments and mergers and acquisitions. In this episode of the Wealth Management Series, we'll be discussing investing in private aviation with Lisa Centers. Lisa, uh, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining Peter, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to help you out with this podcast, and it is an exciting topic, so I'm excited to talk to you about it. My name, as you said, is Lisa Centers, and I'm the CEO of a company called Jet Centers Aviation. I um, am a private aviation expert, and I have more than 25 years' experience in the aviation industry. I began my career in this industry over two decades ago um, when I started a charter brokerage firm out of New York City. Um, After a few years of doing that, I was recruited to NetJets and I uh, became a salesperson for Marquee Jet and NetJets. I was there for over a decade as a senior vice president reporting to Warren Buffett. So that was a super thrilling, um, exciting part of my career as well. I became uh, really well known throughout the industry during that time as a global specialist. And now I'm running my own company. We help people buy sell, manage, and charter aircraft. So thank you again for having me. What I'd like to go through today is, you know, cover off on, you know, industry updates so people get a sense of what's going on in the marketplace and also for those who've gone through a process, maybe they've had a liquidity event, looking at um, private aviation for the first time, whether that's buying, you know, their own plane, you know, a, a part of a plane, a fraction in a plane, or they're looking at some other form of jet card, understanding what, what that sort of means. So it, it, firstly, if we can touch on, you know, the, the past, what the industry looked like um, pre-COVID and what it looks like today. Sure. Um, it's very interesting what's happened in our industry over the past two years prior to COVID. Uh, at the beginning of aviation, obviously, you could purchase a plane, then you could charter your plane. A man named Richard Santulli came uh, along and invented what we now know as NetJets. So you could buy a plane, get together with a couple buddies, fraction it out. That became the fractional. Spun off of that with the jet card, where you could buy 25 hours on the jet of your choice. And or you could still do fractional. So there was a lot of different things that you could, could do back then in the industry. Obviously, NetJets being the 900-pound gorilla there was a lot of flexibility. Prices were uh, a lot lower than they are today, actually. And there was a lot more inventory. So if you were to go purchase a plane, I would say at that time, it was a buyer's market. There was a lot of inventory out uh, to purchase and to pick from. There was a lot of activity, but the planes weren't quite as old as they have now become mature. So, you know, in the past, it was just what it is it's very different than what it is today that was great there's a couple of things there that kind of stand out to 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 me is that you know i think a lot of industries at the moment are have supply chain constraints and so i imagine it's no different with aviation there was probably abundance of you know product in the marketplace and then companies probably reduced construction as far as new planes coming to market maybe people held on to ones that they were going to sell And then there's also the issue of, okay, people that aren't performing, you know, aren't aren't hitting the mark that they 
wanted to hit due to COVID, very few people are traveling. That being said, I'm not sure you experience this as well. In the high net worth, ultra affluent space, if anyone was traveling, that was part of the community that was still hopping on a plane and, you know, getting somewhere if they could other than home. Um, what does that mean today for pricing? I imagine there's increases in pricing both in the new and, and used market. What does that look like as far as the optionality for people? Well, Peter, it's very interesting to talk about what has happened in my industry post-COVID. And to go back to the beginning of COVID, the perfect storm that was set up to give us the market that we have today. So that perfect storm that was set up when COVID hit was uh, the tax break that the previous administration had for people that bought planes. The interest rates were at an all-time low. Optics on flying private changed. So there was no longer any private flight shaming because of COVID. People didn't want to risk their lives. Um, it became a necessity so that all of a sudden, anybody that could fly privately was flying privately. So the market actually expanded 25% with first-time flyers. And in a recent survey, they said that 96% of those people are going to continue to fly private once COVID restrictions are over. It's such a great way to fly. So it's very difficult to go from having your own plane to sitting in a middle seat with someone coughing on you, right? So COVID really changed that dynamic. And because of that, um, similar to what's happened in the housing market, everybody that could buy a plane went out and did buy a plane. So now we're at an all-time low of inventory. In fact, in the used inventory market, Amstack just published a statistic of 5.4% used aircrafts available for purchase. That's lower than any time in history. So what does that mean? That means that there are very few newer aircrafts available to buy. So if you, if you go out to buy an aircraft, you have to be ready to act. Cash is king. You can't vacillate and you have to put your best foot forward. So pricing is inflated and it is now a seller's market. Um, some planes are going before they're even listed. So everybody wants to purchase a plane. It's astounding in our market how quickly this has, you know, sort of expanded to uh, the state that we're in now, which is at all time low. Yeah, for- that's fascinating. I imagine that's flowed on to if, if someone wanted a new plane, what's the type of lead time today between going and you know, finding a plane, ordering it, and even expecting to receive one? You know, it, that depends with each different manufacturer. However, I spoke to uh, one of the best Gulfstream salespeople yesterday, and he said that people that he had been talking to that would never consider buying a new plane are now buying a new plane because right. there's no used planes available. So they're ponying up and putting out, you know, the money for a new plane. It's really fascinating. You know, I'd like to mention also, if you're going to buy a plane now, people similar to houses are saying, I won't even do the inspection. They're that desperate to get a plane. And we highly recommend that they do not do that because they could end up, you know, obviously with a lemon, but it's so competitive now that people are actually doing that. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. For the reasons you've kind of outlined, I mean, I think you're right. 
I think that one point that was really interesting to me, which I saw, was that element of, as you said, what you call private shaming. Um, I've never heard it put like that, but I think that's a that's a real thing, and it kind of evaporated it. Right? It's like if you can afford to do it, and pricing compared to what it maybe it was historically, there's ways to get into and utilize private uh, planes, even if you're not owning it. Right on a charter basis, it maybe wasn't available, you know, historically. You you also touched on a point that uh, you know probably a lot of people weren't aware of. You mentioned that there was a tax break um, put in place by the previous administration that was removed. Um, did you mind explaining how that has Im- impacted things? Was it a depreciation issue? Well, there's a lot of different tax uh, laws that are advantageous for people that are buying the planes. But there's a, a couple different things that happened last year under the previous administration. They did away with the 7.5% federal excise tax that's on every charter, every flight. If you're taking many flights over the course of the year and you're paying 7.5% on top of it, so that went away for all of last year. That's back now, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 7.5% is back. Obviously, people get the accelerated depreciation still. But part of the perfect storm is no one knows when that will go away because that's sure. looming over everyone's head that that will go away. We don't know if it will go away or not. But the fear of that going away created, again, the perfect storm last December. I mean, my friends and lawyers that, that do this had more transactions than in their entire career than they've ever seen in a quarter. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, you touched on a bit of, you know, the history of buying planes, charter, you know, the jet card, net jets, right? For, for those that are new to this and they're, they're going out and thinking about it for the first time, can you run through you know, one, the, the value of and importance of a broker and how, you know, how you work as far as considering, you know, what is the appropriate fit for someone, whether it is, you know, buy a plane, fractional ownership or, um, or, or working with some third, third party um, su- supplier or charter operator. Sure. So there are many different ways to fly private. One of them is simply charter and on-demand charter. So what that looks like is, you know, obviously if somebody wants to take a trip from New York to California, they just call a company like Jet Centers Aviation and uh, the broker goes to work for them and negotiates the best rate on their behalf. Obviously weighs in on safety. You want to use Argus, Isbeo or Wyvern. Um, so you want to pick a good person that knows the top level safety. So that's one thing you can do. You can charter. The next level up is you can buy a card that acts as a debit card. So you pre-purchase 25 hours on the card of your choice, which means, for instance, NetJet has a fleet of maybe 13 different planes. You pick the plane that you want and you stick to that and you buy the 25 hours on that. It's a pre-purchase card. So it acts as an ATM debit card. Um, I will say that NetJets has such high demand now that if you buy a new card with NetJets, a new system they just put into place is there are 45 days out of the year that are peak period days that you may not use your new card. So you've now purchased, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for 25 hours card, but you will not be going to Aspen for Christmas. You will not be taking off for Easter. Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, nothing. 
45 days, you can't use your new card. That's how busy they are. So that's a very telling sign as far as the industry goes. But hence why we get to now people are saying, you know what? I've never flown private before. It was the largest number of never flying private before people that jumped in and say, I'm going to buy a plane. So people that had never even chartered. I had one personally here in Atlanta, Georgia, that bought a Challenger 605, which is a very large plane. I've never chartered before. I had a liquidity event. I have a grandson that's being born. It's COVID. Let's roll. Get me a plane. So, you know, $9 million asset, first time out of the gate, never even did a charter. So people are doing that. That's obviously another thing that you can do. And you can also, which is really important and a big deal, I think, is you can purchase a plane and put it into a managed fleet, which um, Jettage International just came out with a new way of doing that. What they do is they have something called the Jet Edge Advantage, and you can buy a plane, put it into their fleet, be guaranteed that type of plane or better, and offset your cost. So a lot of people are jumping onto that bandwagon and it makes a lot of sense, um, sure. you know, especially for a guy that doesn't care if he has to fly on his plane or not. And then they still have the asset, they still get the depreciation and they can still turn around and sell it. So it's a whole aircraft situation, not a fractional program. And it's okay. brilliant, actually. I think it, uh, KKR just gave them $150 million about two weeks ago um, to go after that market. Yeah, so, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, the industry is changing and evolving for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating that you mentioned that, you know, that sort of, um, and this is you know, based on my, you know, my experience and discussions we've had before, I think, you know, where, where it would be sensible for someone to engage you when they haven't been through this process before. I mean, as you said, there are various options that come with benefits uh, there are both positives and negatives associated with, depending on how you're approaching it. Uh, and, you know, understanding those, I think, is is uh, really key. Um, you know, if it's not about money, right, and if, if for some people it's just a factor of saying, hey, listen, I'll, this is something I want to do and I've got the means to do it, I mean, maybe that's a different way of looking at it what would be your recommendation if someone's going through this again either first time and you want them to understand that optionality what's the sort of process that you take them through and how do you kind of approach that that may be different from how other people would i think that's a great question first of all i think it's imperative to pick somebody that is a trusted advisor so somebody that's been in the industry for decades. And I think uh, having the relationships in this industry is super important. So as I mentioned, I got my pedigree at NetJets and a lot of my colleagues from NetJets are still in the industry. You know, obviously that's a 900 pound gorilla and we had a great product there and it's still a great company. So it's imperative that you pick somebody that you trust. I would say that's number one. And I'm very proud to say I have decades long relationship with most of my customers too. Uh, it's a referral only business. So I would be very wary of when something looks too good to be true or some people do great advertising or marketing, but it's all about the relationship. Um, there are bad brokers, unfortunately, out there. You don't want to skip the steps. 
You don't want to say, I'm so desperate for a plane. I'll take it without the inspection. There will be another plane, just like there will be another house. You know, when you're going to house hunting and you fall in love, best not to get emotionally attached to it. Um, that's harder to do, but that's another reason why it's imperative to have a broker to keep uh, people off the rails, you know, and from overpaying or just making a, a very bad error. Um, my process for walking people through would be to find out what they're trying to do. Are they trying to get accelerated depreciation? Do they want to offset their books? Do they need another asset? Or do they simply want to fly private without a commitment? Do they want to prepay? Or are they the kind of person that wants to be involved in the decision and uh, make it as they go? As I mentioned about the card, you do prepay for the plane of your type. So just for instance, one qualifying question would be, if somebody's flying to Aspen twice a year, but all of their other flights are up and down the East Coast from, you know, Atlanta to Maine, those are two totally different planes that you need. So if you pre-purchase a card, you're going to be charged what's called a privilege charge to use a different type of plane. So all the marketing and advertising says you can use any plane that we have. You have to be very careful because, yes, you can, but you're going to pay double or triple sometimes the price. Yeah, well, listen, that, that's been my experience. If you are trying to live in an existence where you need flexibility of any plane, it's pre, it can become prohibitively expensive when you compare it with, hey, let's let's not commit to a card unless just charter other type of option. And, I mean, it seems to me that, you know, it, it's logical, um, like with any sort of depreciating asset, boats, whatever else, if you can get out there and, pay as you go on and not understand what it feels like to charter what planes you like what you don't like right i, I imagine lisa um you know these days you could pretty much charter any type of plane that exists you know with, with in, in the world with with some limitations is that a fair sort of very fair statement yes and uh, sometimes I counsel people because i i am a trusted advisor for all of my clients and i'm very proud of the relationship and the expertise that I have. So sometimes I will counsel somebody to buy a card, but also charter. So we can weigh, you know, if it's a one-way round trip, same day. Okay. That's going to be a much less expensive charter flight than using your card. Because again, most card programs advertise wheels up, wheels down pricing. All that means is they're baking in the round trip. So if a card program is about 20,000 on a heavy jet, JSA can get you that same heavy jet for less than half of that. But again, it depends on what the mission is. So if they're going one way to some esoteric location in the middle of the Midwest, it's, um, you know, half of one six dozen the other, whether they charter or take a card. Sure. I think that's really, really good advice. I mean, the one thing I hope that listeners get out, uh, out of this is that, um, that it's a big industry, it's grown up a lot, there's a lot of optionality, but, it, you know, it, getting it wrong can be very expensive and it's not just a matter of money money out the door as far as, you know, acquisition costs, it's ongoing costs, right? If you're trying to do this without a broker and without a broker who has uh, deep connections w- would seem to be a pretty pretty crazy thing to do. Well, Lisa, thank you very much for joining. It's been super informative. Um, you know, particularly the updates about the, the currency, the market, um, and and thanks for for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Peter. Anytime.